My guest in this episode is Arn Haraldsson, a friend of mine from Iceland who has become a specialist in team coaching. Uh, welcome, Arn. Ar, you see, I'm trying to do two languages at the same time. Uh, before we get started, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into coaching. Thank you. Thank you, Gudjan. Uh, so my background in terms of team coaching and, and coaching in general, it's pretty much started in 2012. Then I got introduced to one-one coaching. And at the time, I had been in the software industry for, for well, most of my career so forth uh, up to that time. And um, so from 2012, I would say, in parallel, I was uh, yeah, introduced to one-on-one coaching and immediately started uh, training for becoming a, a coach myself uh, that same year. And alongside with that, I was doing team coaching sort of more in terms of agile team coaching. So coaching uh, technical and, and software teams at that time, uh, which sort of evolved through a more generic approach in terms of teams and, and how you coach teams. So uh, I'm coming into this team coaching from, you could almost say both sides, from the one-one coaching side and the the you could say the team coaching in general uh, from the agile and softer perspective because many people come from either side not necessarily both at the you know people obviously come from many many sides so now i'm you know putting this into plural but uh, but often people are thinking about now going into team coaching when they're coming from one-on-one coaching and that is definitely a, quite a transition uh, I was lucky enough to be, you know, working with teams already at the time. So I was sort of mixing this together f- from the get-go, you could say. So it was kind of a natural transition from working in software, in the software industry, to one-on-one coaching, then back to team coaching, because you understood the team environment, so to speak? Yeah, well, I, I always leaned into the part of coaching. I guess my personality sort of tended to go that way also in terms of the the agile aspect. So uh, we could probably go on and on with the agile term. The the agile, you know, that, that's uh, that's an umbrella for, for quite many things. Now, uh, one of the roles within the uh, one of the roles within the agile concepts or umbrella is sort of how much you think about the product or the service that is being built if if it is a software. Now, I always tended to lean into the coaching aspect and then less towards how the product should be. So I was always thinking more about the people, more about the dynamics and how how the team would work together. Uh, while others, agile coaches, tend to lean more into so having opinions and whatnot on the the product or the service itself. So it was that part was natural for me, uh, my progression. Then you know, uh, making this more generic approach in terms of team coaching. You know, going from this agile, which is pretty much softer, coming from the softer industry. Although now it's it's becoming way broader, but but uh, the, the progression for me from that point into uh, you know management teams, executive teams, and whatever team there is, 
that that needs and wants team coaching. I I sort of uh, yeah my progression in in that part was uh, quite sort of natural, if so to speak. And I'm using the one-on-one coaching quite a lot with with that. And people have many opinions on that. Uh, if you're doing that as well, or if you're having someone with you doing the one-on-one coaching regarding the members of the team. Okay, so explain a little bit the difference between one-on-one coaching and team coaching, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into team coaching uh, after that. So I it might also be interesting to introduce the concept of group co- group coaching in between. So you have one-on-one coaching, you have group coaching, and you have team coaching. So I think it might be even relevant to, to introduce these th- three terms and, and try to see what is the difference. So so one-on-one coaching is, well, sort of us, us in the name that is one coach and then is one coachee. Uh, and I'm not talking about who's paying. So I'm, I'm thinking about the more of the session there itself, what's going on there and who are involved. So it is the coach and the coachee. Now that can take many forms. I mean, you have all these special uh, niches in terms of life coaching, uh, executive coaching, health coaching and whatnot. So uh, coming into group coaching, then you have uh, people come together with uh, similar or, or related topic that they want to discuss, but they are all on their own. So they have their own goals regarding this topic and they have all their own views, etc. And there is no interdependency going off that session or of those sessions. So if I'm partaking in a group coaching session, I'm a coachee, uh, the the uh, sort of relation I make with other coachees in this session, they are not dependent on how I progress going forth with my goals. However, I can, I can gain extra knowledge and insights from hearing from the other coachees. I've heard, I've heard, yeah, a lot of people are doing this with, for example, health coaching, uh, goal setting, time management, where they bring a group together and then each is responsible for their own advancement or, but, but they're getting the input from the coach and also from the other participants, so to speak. Yeah. And especially from the participants as the coach mainly is sort of getting people together and asking the questions that bring forth the 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 knowledge and wisdom that are in the people now uh jumping then to team coaching and then you start uh the uh, seeing this and and you could almost say the team becomes an individual so you think of the team as a unit so the team has now a purpose. The, the, well, that's one of the definitions. And, and the team members are interdependent. So uh, if, if, well, there are, there are quite some numbers of, of, definition of, of definitions of what is team coaching. But I tend to think of, uh, uh, you know, using very few items to, to explain it in relation to group coaching. So uh, there is single purpose or single um, goal or, or a few goals that the team is trying to get to together. 
a purpose to fulfill and the team is responsible for getting that and doing that together. Now that brings forth uh, interdependency or should bring forth interdependency between the team members. So if we are both on a team and you could, I could even say, if I'm not dependent on your contribution so that we as a team can actually fulfill our purpose or, or get that goal done, then it's not really a team. So it has to be interdependent for it to yeah. be to meet the team threshold. It's not like yeah. working parallel to each other, but rather as working. I take next one step, and then like um, I don't know, mountain climbers who are tied together. Yes, depend on each other to help you know get to the next uh, yeah. step. And they yeah, exactly, and they might do different things, and they might not be working all the time together. But they are definitely thinking of this as a shared goal, as a shared purpose. And they have sort of shared responsibility of, of making that happen. While the group coaching, while the group in the group coaching scenario, they, they have no shared responsibility in, in, in how everyone is doing. So in some ways, team coaching is more like one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one coaching, like you said. It's there. It has some of the same characteristics there versus in uh, group coaching is is almost totally different because it is uh, more people are involved, but it's not a common goal. They, they may have shared interests, but not a common goal. Yeah, I, I would uh, to to use a paradox. Yes and no, <laughs> <laughs> because definitely I, I I really like the idea when you say that it's it's like it because you can think of team as a unit, a a, a single identity identity or something like that. But I I often talk about this when I when I train coaches in terms of well the basics of team coaching, and then I then I say to simplify. So team coaching is one-on-one -on -one coaching on steroids. Maybe not a good, you know, metaphor, but but it's it's it is, you know, the coaching element in one-on-one -on -one coaching plays such a huge part. It is the heart of team coaching, I would say. However, there are many other elements that come to play in team coaching. And you have I would say uh, the dynamics and the multiple layers that that come into play they make this more way more complex and i'm not trying to put myself on a on a staple here but no but the complexity level increases because there are more moving parts absolutely 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 and there is actually and based on icf who they they have put forth uh, uh, the definition of of team coaching and actually the the competency they put forth competencies for uh, what's involved in terms of team coaching. And even though they've started a pilot, they've done the first round of pilot uh, to become a accredited team coach from ICF. So they've done the one pilot round for that. Anyway, what what they say is that also, and, and many of the books that are you know heavily into the team coaching part when they try to define it, is that they... You you are you are sort of you are allowed to do more and put more stuff in when you're a team coach than you are as one-on-one -on -one coach. In the sense that 
from the ICF point of view and from the, you know, the code of ethics, you are not, you know, putting forth ideas, suggestions. You, you usually are not going that direction at all. While in the team code... And one-on-one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and there, 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 there are quite a, and there's quite a good and strict and good reasons for it, etc. In team coaching, there are because there are many elements of it. It's not only coaching; it is also part of it is facilitation. There is some mentoring also as well. So there is there are elements that come into play. There are also asking for and allowing for more contribution and and input from the team coach. And that is from the, and that is allowed, so to speak. Yeah. I would, however, say that, that again, when I say this, still the heart of it is the coaching, the, the pure coaching element. When you are, you know, making the space, using your presence and, you know, allowing things to emerge and allowing the team to have the conversations that they need to have. Without that, you having ideas or suggestion or or sort of input in how and what comes in that discussion. Again, it's about the process. You would say when it comes to team coaching, what are the most common things you're working on with teams, or are there no common things? It's just a is it is everything different? I'm I'm trying to understand because sometimes when people work with individuals, they start to notice patterns. They start to notice uh, things that come up over and over again, same things or similar things. Is there anything like that in team coaching, or is it every moment fresh and new and 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 a little more complicated than with individuals? Well, again, there are definitely similarities. I would say the 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 steps are many, in many ways, similar. They're just more, com- each step is just more complex. So if you take, for example, you know, you have a one-on-one coaching session or even a contract over multiple sessions. You you talk with your coachee and, and agree on, okay, so what are we going to work on? What are the main What's the main theme here? What, what is it that you need? What are your goals? And what, what do you want out of this agreement? What, what do you want out of this work we are going to do together? Okay. Now that is a, you could say simple conversation in the sense of just one-on-one, just the coachee and, and me being the coach. And I'm trying to understand or get a, or, or act more, actually more related to helping you get the grips of what you, what it is you, that you want. Now, when you have a team, you you need this agreement as well, but now you have a more complex thing in your hands. You you have a multiple members of the team, and and they might look at things differently. And and who is actually asking for the team coach coming in? Is it coming from above? Is it coming from the team itself? And th- that kind of stuff. Uh, now, let's say we we land this thing about. So, what is the job about? The fact. I want to put in there is that the analysis, the diagnosis, so to speak, that that is usually a deeper step uh, for the team. So that could be in forms of a survey. It could be in forms of of 
uh, a session to discuss what, what it is. Uh, so again, those things can also be used in one-on-one coaching, but again, it just, it is, it is more complex because you have more people involved doing this step. Now we are just talking about the agreement step. Now we, now we are coming into, so what, and when we have agreed upon, so what's the, what's the goal? What's the, what is the work about? So what happens next? So let's dive into the actual work to get, get where you want to go as a team. All right. Let's say the team wants to work on, well, the, 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 we are, we are, you know, uncertain of our strategy. That could be one. And we feel that there's a lack of somewhat like there's a lack of trust here in, in the team. So that could be coming out of diagnosis or analysis through a discussion for, through some discussions and even maybe formal diag- diagnosis, maybe not a good best word for it, but analysis through a, a survey of some sort. Now, again, as an example, those are the two main aspects that come out of that, you know, analysis, uh, lack of trust, and unclear strategy. So what am I going to, what's my role in in, in that going forward? So uh, a typical, and again, there is no exact formula for this, but but there are definitely some aspects that need to be part. Of. There needs to be some kind of rhythm, some that helps with momentum. So that I will not touch base with them now. Meet them, you know, for one session, and then I meet them again in eighteen months, and I see. So how how has it been? Are you are you done? No. So there has to be a a rhythm of some sort, be that weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, and whatnot. So that's part of the agreement on how often do we meet. The part of the agreement also is, so what do we do when we meet? Me meeting the whole whole team. Now, I tend to, well, not only me, but, but um, I explain it as mostly two things. Not the only things, but, but mostly in two categories. One category observing the team and giving feedback observing and not and and dynamic interventions as i see fit and being agreed upon with the team so pause pause there for a moment so watching the team does that mean that you uh, come into the workplace and simply watch them work or or is this a session per se and say Usually, if it is a team, yeah. they meet every now and then. Be that without me or not. You know, before I came in, if they are already a team, they they must be doing something together. Mm-hmm. If they are never meeting at all, they 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 can hardly be said to be a team. So they must be meeting at some sort, having some part of, I would say, business as usual or whatever, whatever status meeting or whatever meeting they have. So I come in and observe. In that meeting, I'm not saying you should now do this or that or that meeting. I just I'm coming in and seeing what meeting is it that you're having, and can I observe? And I observe the dynamics, the pattern, and whether they are clear on running the meetings and how they run the meetings, and is there a you know shared mic time between them and whatnot. So how are they discussing? I give them feedback on this. So this is one category of the stuff I do. Another category, and, and sort of broadly speaking, I, I separate this into these two categories, observing and giving feedback and intervening as, as needed, 
on the spot. So what are you learning, et cetera? And that's, I would say that's really like coaching. Well, so much. Okay. The other part, the other category, that's more of a facilitating part. So it's more of a, okay, we, we, uh, I help them go through a process of some sort to figure out some, to figure stuff out. And for example, if it is regarding trust, I help them go through a, some processes that help them build it, understand it, have discussions about it, uh, trust stuff. Now, there are many tools and stuff about that you can Google and whatnot on, on how to do that kind of stuff. So playbooks and whatnot. Uh, on the strategic level, again, some process to take them through. So what's your strategy? How far are going to look? So what is the roadmap? What are the... What are the goals that you're going to set? Are you using OKRs? Are you using, you know, there are so many models you can use within strategy. So what do you want to, what do you want to use? And I can run them through that process. So that is facilitation. And, you know, then you have some other stuff that I can put in this category. There is some part of mentoring maybe. And then I could add now the third category. And that is something that could be, you know, people are definitely not, uh, uh, how to put it, definitely not on the same page as to how they want to do that, be that themselves or someone else. And that is the one-on-one coaching with all the team members on the team. Uh, that isn't always the case, but I tend to more often go into that kind of project where there is also one-on-one with everyone on the team. So this is a broadly, I would say, you know, the categories I'm I'm working with the, the team, observing and giving feedback, facilitating some kind of a session that helps them go through something specific, and then one-on-one, one-on-one coaching with each team member. So tell me, when you have resistance in the team, when you are brought in by a third party that says, hey, you guys need the, this coach, how do you approach that? Yeah, good question. Next, <laughs> the, so well, I mean, it is as with one-on-one uh, coaching. If you can't gain full trust with, I am gonna say, all or most of all the teams, you're not getting anywhere. You're just not. The, nothing's gonna really happen because. As with one-on-one coaching, if someone is, you know, has been sent to you without really wanting to, he's not, he or she is not going to trust you or not going to, you know, put stuff on the table that is, you know, needed to be worked on and look through and stuff. You know, it's just, it's not going to work. So it all boils down to having the foundation, which is, you know, okay, we are in. So it is about are we in or are we not in? And so when you come into that group, so what I'm really asking is how would you approach that initial step of gaining trust when you've been sent there, when you when you're not there because they asked for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, funny, funny thing, you know, there, I would say there is no single answer to that. So it, it, it depends. Okay. So uh, one thing to have in mind here, I would say is, okay, so 
So is this a new team that has just been formed or is about to be formed? And there is sort of mixed emotions and about, you know, are we going to do this or not? Or why are we doing this? And why is this on the team? And blah, blah, blah. That's one thing. And, and then you have another thing. Are you, are you coming into a team which is already established and, and they are having some trouble? They're having some issues. They have been together for a while, months or even years, and they, you know, they've hit some trouble. Uh, so that, for example, is, is there are definitely different different approaches here because in in when when you when you're building a team from scratch, you have way more leverage. Is maybe not the right word. I'm not sure what word to put it, but. Because it is in a fresh start. You get to be a part of setting the parameters, right? You get to be a part or, or a participant in setting the framework in which the team operates, right? Well, help them set those parameters. And, and that is a key point because very often teams don't know what it is to be a team. They usually can identify if they have been on a good team or not on a good team, but they usually aren't aware of what what it is that uh, you know m- makes it a good team unless they're really checked in with on that. So, if I'm if I'm in, for, well, actually, I could say it from from both both scenarios: team on the start and team that is established somewhat, and I'm coming in because there are some issues. Uh, but the, it is about helping them understand what they need to have in place to be a healthy team. Okay, so tell me what needs to be in place to be a healthy team. That's that's a great point, <laughs> and that is related to what I just said in the beginning. Yeah, it is about having a clear goal, clear set of goals, or clear purpose. So, what is it that we? are going to do together, that we need to do together, that the world or our stakeholders or whatnot need of us. What, who and what are we in service to? And so what, what is it that we are trying to do? And why are we, why do we need to come to this place and do that? And, you know, people, people have to come to an agreement on what the purpose and what, what their goals are, you know, the, the shared ones, because, if they don't do that, they will all run around in circles anyway. Even though they have excellent trust and the dynamics are great. If they are unclear on where they're heading, they will head nowhere or anywhere. So that's one thing. That's really important. There, There is this foundation that there has to be trust. And there is so much, you know, been talked about the psychological safety in the recent years. And you can, you can Google that and find tons of stuff. But what is good that it has been in the talks in, for, for years now is that it is becoming an established thing to, to think about that people cannot and teams cannot just look away and say, well, this is just, well, we need to think about it if, if shit hits a fan, but we don't really need to think about it from the get-go. But that's that's not a good approach. So you need psychological safety. If there isn't really a psychological safety, you will hit troubles. You will have issues. I mean, p- 
people are not, and you can take many examples. Are people like willing to ask questions? Are people willing to admit mistakes? Are people willing to point out what's going bad? What what's actually needs improvement? Are people willing to bring forth crazy ideas, even though they are not completely thought through? You know, if you haven't psychological safety within the team, people are resistant to do this. So it really stops all kind of um, progress, new products, new ideas. And even just what you said, the idea that can I ask questions? A lot of people have some hangups about that. They have they they yeah. feel like oh if I ask I, I'm showing that I don't know, uh, yeah. bringing out crazy ideas. Those are all good points, uh, not just for team coaching. I know, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, you know, but for for friend groups and families yeah. and uh, exactly. And there is one thing I want to add. I mean, I can go on and on. You have to stop me when I and so. There is also one thing I want to mention regarding the psychological safety part, because, well, that's, I would say that's my forte. I, I usually tend to lean in, in, you know, thinking about the dynamics and helping people with the dynamics and the trust and blah. So I, I find it good to think about, it doesn't necessarily stop completely, you know, you know, the work, but if there is a lack of psychological safety, you're missing out on so much value. People are not able to bring all their value to the table their full self or whatever you want to call it. It's just, they they keep stuff for themselves when the team could actually get more value from everyone. So it, it's so, and it's so amazing that, that well, let's take the opposite. When you, when you control with fear and you are building a product that needs creativity, collaboration, logical thinking, blah, blah, you basically say, okay, let's, let's all put in first gear. Let's never go to fourth, not even fifth. I mean, let's stay in first gear. That's what we do because <clears throat> our brain is not able to, you know, capitalize on the prefrontal part of the brain when we are all in having this strong fear, emotions, etc. So, Well, it's yeah. true. I mean, safety is the basic need. And so if there's not safety, why would I trust anybody with all my contributions, with my entire self? And so establishing that psychological safety. So what you're really saying, though, is that instead of focusing only on things that are known in the business environment, productivity, metrics, uh, you know, agile process, uh, Scrum, all these things, what you're focusing on is more the human side that has been neglected in many ways in business environments. Um, and that makes the team better. Yes. And there's a good reason for why this has been neglected. I mean, uh, business is, you know, it, it is... Uh, it is, there is a lot of competition there. There is a competition on the job market. There, I mean, people are, you know, fighting for their positions. There are, there are bonuses if you can, you know, do good stuff, et cetera. So you have these uh, incentives 
in the system that are actually uh, rewarding, you know, working against psychological safety, which is absurd <laughs> because that's that's so contradicting in 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 the end result that you're trying to get. So I would say it's it's so uh, it, it's it, we are blind to this somewhat, and that's also understandable because these are systems at play. And the systems at play, we are not understanding, well, people are often not understanding how they, with their incentives, that are sort of culturally accepted, blah, 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 within the systems, they are putting forth incentives that that sort of pull forth or push, I don't know how to put it in English, but they, they sort of bring forth behaviors that are sort of, yeah, not, uh, you know, withholding or, or increasing psychological safety. Let's take one example. And one example of, uh, well, I would say you could also say both the system and, you know, very simple scenario where, where psychological safety goes somewhat the wrong way. When I ask, uh, so... Uh, uh, excuse me. So, so what is the the phrase uh, BX BXW or whatever, and, uh, uh, some acronym or something? And someone comes up, "What? You don't know this, really?" In front of everybody, and and I go, "Oh boy, it's just, I'm being shown as weak. I'm so not knowing anything. Blah blah." So I'll probably not ask again. That's that's one example. And from the other side, the 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 guy or, or the woman, the the person that gave this response not necessarily mature response that could also be coming from a system that is rewarding someone that knows all of the stuff if you know what I mean yeah so if you have a system that that is not sort of acknowledging and and almost rewarding questions when you don't know and always rewarding when you know and you know beforehand you don't even need to ask you're not in increasing the level of questions and, and openness, and, and therefore you, you have slower learning. Don't you need a, a degree of buy-in from the management in order to, in order for teams to accept? Like, it seems like if you can manage to create psychological safety within the group, right? And you and define parameters and work on dynamics and all those things. That's great. But what if the manager comes in with different systems, with different ideas, and then interacts with a group, with a team, in a way that you've been teaching them not to or or or, or helping them not to? Yeah. I mean, it depends on... on... What is the role of these uh, this manager role? Is it is it is that person part of the team, and is it uh, the leader of the team, or is it sort of outside of the team? I'm thinking of an outside person. You know, I've I've observed quite a few big companies here in the U.S. where, you know, there's a team working on something, and then all of a sudden, kind of like just draw the 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 the, the head of the department drops in, and they just have completely different ideas they have completely different uh, expectations uh and 
ways of communicating and it can blow things up really easily. Yeah. To, yeah. To answer it maybe in a very simplistic way and, and uh, I, because you can get somewhere, but you probably will not get very far. You could say if you don't have if you don't have support and understanding and uh, what's the English word for fortime when you example example yeah. so if if that if the person in, in the management position is not you know showing the example of this kind of culture and behavior you you will have trouble I mean the the team can probably not get too far really it can't uh, do good stuff internally but you know if this manager is in quite some communication with the team there will be struggle there and, and yeah there will be struggle yeah so you need buy-in not just from the team but from everybody the team interacts with higher up really to, for, for, I wouldn't know. say necessarily all, but 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 well, the, the most important stakeholders. But the one that, yeah, the, yeah, exactly, definitely the most important stakeholder. And yes, but then you then you could also say, well, then in in some cultures, in some organizations, you could actually do it in a bottom up level. Where the the team does well and so lives, you know does this great stuff and they and people started what are they really doing so what is different about them well must be something and even the manager if if the manager is somewhere quite a bit outside but again if if the manager is heavily involved i mean that means the, the, it will not go far but it, it's an interesting thing though what you're saying is that you can do the bottom-up version if you start to show results if 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 the if if the if the group dynamics work really well, if the stuff that's coming out of the team is looking good to everybody else, then well, that looks looks good for you as a coach too, doesn't it? Yeah, but but I, but again, I would say I would be very cautious though when I say this is that in some ways this can produce good stuff in terms of having an effect outside of the team. Yes. But but there are uh, if the team has totally different culture than the rest of the company, it's it's, it's really hard. It is quite hard because they they are always hitting. They are always having issues with everything they touch uh, in in communication. So you you can't. But what you really want to do is is you you want to have similar, relatively similar culture throughout. And at least when, when where there are where there are heavy heavy interaction, so and from that point, if if you're trying to do ch make changes there, you you really need support from the management. They need to b b go in first, I would say, and that's why I I tend to you know, uh, uh, for example, I'm I'm working with two companies now that are. Well, one company for quite a while and the other not so long. They're both relatively small, well, really small on a on an international basis. They're they're about thirty. They're sort of still in in the startup phase, you could say. Although, although one company has been there since two thousand and what six or seven. Anyway, so uh, they they both 
they're both, um, yeah. So what I'm saying is, I want to go in with the management team, uh, and and from there help them or or allow them or press them to. So what culture do you want? I mean, uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna approach that, and how how are you gonna show this by example? So, and this gives another dimension which I haven't uh, talked about yet, and that is the you could. Uh, Probably the best term would, you know, in English would be talking about the organizational development and the, but the the culture within the company as a whole. You could take this, you know, as a team. There's a culture. Then there's a department or division or, and then there is this the whole company. So what, what is the culture? What are the basic elements of the culture that that the company thrives on? And then I find really interesting to and I. I mean, many people have talked about this, and, and someone said, and you can you can guess who that culture eats strategy for breakfast, if I remember correctly. Anyway, so the the point is that we have been underestimating the value of culture, and 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 we usually don't spend that much of our resources in working explicitly on developing the culture. So, what happens? Exactly that. The culture just happens. If you're lucky, it's good. If you're unlucky, things goes kaput. Or you know. So try to prevent the kaput part. So we go into try to work explicitly on the culture as well. So ideally, you come into a company that either is willing to work on a defined culture or already has that, and you can align with that as you do the team coaching that's the ideal kind of scenario that there is either a strong culture or you help define the culture and then that is implemented in the team settings as well well i would say uh, this alignment with the culture of the rest of the company is a separate uh, line of work separate line of inquiry so the team is focused on the outcome the goal the why they came together and then aligning with the company would be a separate investigation well it could be part of the journey they they need to go through i mean maybe they're already aligned with the culture and that's not the issue it's not the, the 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 problem or not there so but that might be a problem they're just having really heavy problems in their communication with the, all and some or many of the stakeholders or the t- other teams that they are you know talking with etc i feel like we're just getting warmed up on this uh this topic but we'll have to uh, wrap it up soon yeah i could no, go on it, and it's, on it's, it's a fascinating topic because <laughs> as you say it touches on so many things everything from just personal human nature to uh, communications to trust and values to you know just being heard uh, and 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 feel secure the psychological safety part alone could be an episode uh, in itself uh, the last question though which sectors which industries do you think could benefit most most from team coaching uh from what you've observed wow that's a good one well i, I which sectors um 
I would say it depends in which culture you're in. Uh, so I can only say from from my surroundings here in Iceland. So, and then I can I can say because there is a difference between the, the need that maybe I could you know phantom or, or sort of think about oh there is a need there and there and there, and that could be totally different aspect and totally different view than the awareness at that place for the need. So you have, so there is not alignment on, oh, there's a need. And we know there is a need. So often people don't know of the need. Anyway, that's, a, that's another story. So I could, I could talk about, uh, I could almost say, because team coaching is something that is still in its infancy, really. I mean, as a as a concept, as a known concept. I mean, coaching, one-on-one coaching has been been around for now some decades, while team coaching in now is is growing like I don't know what. But from my point of view, uh, people now know what coaching is, and they that's hip and cool and nice, and everybody should have a coach. Yes. But teams, they, they are still team coaching. That is, what, what what do you do? What is it? What do you do? So you come and give us advice? No, no, no. Oh, so what do you really do? So people are still really grasping what this team coaching is. But coming to your question again, so where is the need? I would say based on that, you could almost say, well, I'm, I'm about to say, <laughs> uh, wherever you need strong collaboration, on a complex project where there is, you know, needed with interconnection and intercommunication and, and and you can't just do alone. There you have people come together working on something that is more complex that they can do alone. And they need to communicate and cooperate. And that is difficult. And therefore they need a team coach. Exactly, but what uh, you explained, and yeah. maybe some, some, sometimes this just goes well. I mean, it's not everything that needs team. No, but what I'm saying though is, is that what you, instead of describing an industry or a sector, you described circumstances, which I liked. You, yes. you say when these circumstances exist, there may be need for coaching, or at least looking at these aspects of culture, psychological safety, communications, all of those things. And yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day and she said, um, you know, that sure, you could go and do what I've done for 15 years and, and, and learn it on your own, or you can just hire me to do it. And, and <laughs> that's what I see in, in you. You have uh, specialized in something that, um, you know, you're you're on the cutting edge. You're you're at the forefront of what's happening in coaching, um, and I really look forward to see where it goes. Uh, if people want to find you uh, online somehow or connect with you, can they do that? Yeah, they can do. Uh, I have it. I can't even remember because I'm totally on the Icelandic market, so to speak. So I have this. I'm on LinkedIn, Oran Haraldson. I maybe you could put it in the side note of the podcast. I will put I will put the link in the in the description of the podcast so that people can find you there. 
Yeah, and I have a website, and that's in Icelandic as well. But you can find the my phone number and email. And I think the LinkedIn LinkedIn profile is in English. So I think I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in English. So yeah. well, thank you so much for taking uh, part of your day there in Iceland to talk to us. Um, as I said, Mike. Yeah, my pleasure. So my guest has been Arn Haraldsson from Iceland. Uh, my name is Gudjon Bergman. To learn more about my approach to coaching, enter gbpersonalcoaching.com into your browser, and that will take you to my website. Thanks for listening. Be well.